My Govonin. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in this video I want to talk about kind of the idea of a Tolkien bestiary. It's, uh, there's a lot of different videos I'm going to do in this vein, but basically the different creatures that you find in Middle-earth have very well thought out and very well delineated kind of origins and natures. You know, Tolkien, being the perfectionist that he was, didn't leave much of anything to chance. And in this particular video, I want to talk about the elves, because the elves, we kind of tend to think of them as pretty pretty much all the same, but they're really not. There's actually three different families of elves, and I want to talk about each of them and their roles and kind of some of the significant characters who come from each of those families. So let's go ahead and get started. So the first and smallest of the families of elves is the Vanyar, and the Vanyar are characterized by a few things. The Vanyar are the ones who have the typically golden hair of the elves. You see a lot of golden-haired elves in the movies, but really it's only the Vanyar that have these. The other kind of defining characteristic of them is that they are, in terms of their mindset, much more aligned with the Valar than the other two groups. And I'll, I'll kind of explain that a little more as I get to them. Uh, you really don't see much of the Vanyar in the actual stories because the Vanyar are the ones who are most willing to travel to Valinor. They're also the ones who are least likely to rebel, and so you really don't get a whole lot of them leaving back to Middle-earth in the Silmarillion, and thus you don't really have any Vanyar in Middle-earth at the time of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, you, you just really don't see much of them. There's no major characters from them except insofar as they married into other families and had descendants through them. Uh, so there's not a whole lot to talk about in terms of their importance to the story. The main things about their importance to the story is the the fact that they stayed with the Vanyar and were opposed to leaving means that, you know, they were kind of in conflict a little bit with the elves who did leave, and then at the very end of the Silmarillion, Arendil manages to return to Valinor and with the help of one of the Silmarils, the one that Beren recovered from Morgoth, and he asked the Valar for help in the war against Morgoth, and the Valar come with their host, and that includes the Vanyar. The Vanyar are, you know, they're not in, by any means a bunch of just kind of philosophers sitting around. They're per perfectly capable of, you know, being warriors as well, and they, they show that in the final war against Morgoth. But that's really the main, uh, the main interaction they have with the story. There's really not a lot that goes on for the Vanyar themselves. Now, that being said, the they do have some important characters who are at least half Vanyar. So the main one that uh, we all are familiar with is Galadriel. Galadriel, having golden hair, that's, that's her Vanyar side coming through. She is also half Noldor, which is the second group of elves that I'll get to in a minute. But the main thing about Galadriel is she's got... Pair, she, her mother was one of the... Um, I believe the sister of the king of the Vanyar, and her father was the king of the Noldor, who was also the father of Feanor, which I'll explain that relationship a little bit in the next section. But Galadriel is really the only major character that we know of in The Lord of the Rings that has Vanyar parentage. Uh, there might be some other ones that have some intermingling, but it's it's mostly the other two groups of elves by the point we get to the Lord of the Rings, because as I said, very few Vanyar were ever in Middle-earth, you know, other than the very beginning when they were first discovered by the Valar, 
all the Varnyar went to uh, Valinor. None of them stayed in Middle-earth. There were a few of the other elves that stayed in Middle-earth and never went to Valinor, which I'll get to in a bit. Uh, but the Vanyar basically went to Valinor at the very beginning, never left. And so to the extent that there's any Vanyar in any of the Lord of the Rings, it's only as a result of marriages that occurred in Valinor before the flight of the Noldor. Speaking of the Noldor, let's get to them. The second and second largest group of elves, of course, is the Noldor. The Noldor is, it's a basically a way of Tolkien kind of taking the word gnome and making it a little bit different for his languages, and it signifies the idea that they know a lot. These are the elves that like to study and learn and make things. These are more in tune with dwarves than any other group of elves because they have similar interests. They like craftsmanship, They like, but they also like other things that dwarves aren't necessarily that into, like learning. I mean, they just enjoy like Tolkien, developing languages, developing alphabets. I mean, they're basically the brain people of the elves. That's that's their thing. They're also characteristically dark-haired. You don't really see golden-haired Noldor, except insofar as you get Vanyar intermarriage, like in the case of Galadriel. And let me go ahead and explain that. The king of the Noldor, most of whom did make the trip to Valinor, there were a few, I think, that dropped off, uh, but the king of the Noldor had an original wife that was also Noldor. She gave birth to Feanor, who was the one who created the Silverills, and in doing so, didn't per se die, but she used up so much of her life force in delivering Feanor that she just kind of gave up living. And, and that was kind of an odd situation because elves weren't really supposed to die, and this happened in Valinor where nobody dies. And so it was seen as kind of a great tragedy and a very unnatural event. And even though by the rules of the way the world is supposed to work, she should have been kind of reincarnated and brought back to life after dying, she never really did. She just kind of chose to just sleep, for lack of a better term. There's really no other way to say it. After she died, the... Uh, King of the Noldor took another wife who was of the, the Vanyar. And that's how you get Galadriel, you get uh, Fingolfin, you get Fingon. There's some, the different uh, Noldor that leave with Feanor who are kind of, they, they never really get along very well because they have that kind of clash between the Vanyar and the Noldor. Feanor always kind of sees himself separate from the others. Uh, but it, it's interesting because you get, that's basically where all the golden haired people come from. Most of them are dead and gone by the time you get to Lord of the Rings because they've all been killed in the war with Morgoth. Uh, but there, there are several at the time of the Silmarillion that you can follow. I mean, if you actually look in the Silmarillion, there's kind of a family tree that shows who parented who and all that stuff. So, I mean, you can follow along with which ones are the ones that are going to have Vanyar parentage, like I said, almost all of them died. Um, but there are several of them. There are actually more high kings of the Noldor that have Vanyar parentage than have purely Noldor parentage, because Feanor was the only one who was purely the product of two Noldors, Noldorine elves. So most of the Noldorine elves, of course, have dark hair. So, I mean, like, Feanor would have had dark hair, 
This is where Elrond gets his dark hair because he is, uh, well, partially. <laughs> I should I should qualify that because he's also the descendant of Elrond is the descendant of a whole lot of different people, um, including Min Maiar. <laughs> There's a lot going on there, uh, but he is prototypically a Noldorian elf, as is Gilgalad, who is the last High King of the Noldor, who also. If you watch the Lord of the Rings in the prologue, there's a very, 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 very brief moment where you see an elf kind of just stabbing an orc with a spear. That's that's Gilgalad, and he has dark hair, which makes sense. He's a Noldor. Um, but anyway, that's that's kind of the Noldorian. They um, tend to be a little more friendly with El. I mean, the dwarves because of their craftsmanship type ways, but they also as a result, tend to be a little apart from the other elves because they just have different interests. Uh, and that isn't really what led them to rebel. I mean, these are the this is the primary group that left Valinor in the rebellion because it was Feanor's family basically leaving on account of the Silmarils and all the other things that went down when Morgoth did his thing. But they weren't leaving because they were Noldor. It was just kind of a family you know, affair essentially. So the fact that they are primarily interested in those things isn't what drove them away. It just happens to be what led to the event that did drive them away. So that's the Noldoreen, and now there's one more group of elves that I want to talk about. The third group of elves is called the Tellery, and the Tellery are A, the largest, B, the least happy with Valinor. Uh, they're also characteristically much more interested in being singers and being shipwrights. They are by far the best shipbuilders in Middle-earth, and most of the great minstrels of the elves come from the Tellery. They have the best singing voices, uh, and they spend a lot of time singing, uh, mostly near the seashore, because they're very much in love with the sea. And because of that, they're very much in tune with Ulmo, much in the way that the Noldor are kind of in tune with Aule, the smith, and the Vanyar are a little more attracted to Manwe and Varda. So each family of elves kind of has their own patron saint, you could say, in, in the Valar. But the interesting thing about the Tellery is because they're the least likely to travel to Valinor, that's where most of the elves who stayed in Middle-earth come from. They're mostly Tellery. Uh, and the part of the thing there is they just kind of were overawed by Valar, Valinor and the Valar, I should say, and a lot of them just didn't want to make the journey just because of fear. They were always kind of the least hardy, the least adventurous of the elves, and so they really didn't have the same unity of purpose in terms of getting to Valinor as the Noldor even, but especially not the Vanyar. And so you find pockets of elves in different parts of Middle-earth that are almost entirely or even entirely, Tillerin in origin. So the other characteristic thing about them is they tend to have silverish hair, and you get people like Celeborn fall into this category. Uh, Thingol, the father of Luthien, who is, of course, Baron's love interest, is a he's actually the original king of the Tellery. He was going to go to Valinor and then met Melian the Maya in the forest of Doriath and then fell in love and just didn't carry on, and then his brother ended up becoming king instead. So you've got 
a lot of different tellery who stay in Middle Earth for different reasons. And a lot of that has to do with just not being willing to make the journey. Some of it ends up being because, wow, we really like this ocean. You know, they, they travel from far inland all the way to the shores of Middle Earth. They find the ocean and they're like, wow, this is awesome. Uh, and so a lot of them just kind of stop their journey there because they don't want to go across. And even the ones that do go across, once they finally reach Valinor, they're really not happy living on the mainland continent of Amon. They want to live near the ocean. And so the the Valar create kind of a... Originally, when they, when they set up the continent of Amon, they had put a mountain range all along the eastern border basically to keep Morgoth out because they had already had a lot of dealings with Morgoth trying to deal with his issues and him trying to wreck the, the world of Arda. And so... To accommodate the Tellery, they basically put a big giant hole in the mountain range so that they can get to the ocean, but they can also still, you know, see the other elves on the other side of the mountain range without having to cross this huge mountain range. It was designed to keep people out. And they also eventually, the the Tellery that stayed in Middle-earth on the seashore, some of them end up wanting to go to Valinor after all. What the Valinor, I mean, the Valar do to accommodate them, they actually have this island dragged all the way from the shores of Middle of uh, Middle Earth to just off the shores of Amon, and that is the island of Tol Eresia. And Eresia is interesting because it's the actually the island where Frodo and uh, Bilbo are going at the end of the Lord of the Rings. They're not actually going to, strictly speaking, the undying lands of Valinor. They're going to Tol Eresia, which is off the shores of Valinor. And part of that is kind of because some of them aren't elves. Some of them who are elves aren't really allowed to return to the mainland proper because of the rebellion. There's different things going on there, but the main point is that island is primarily populated by Tellery, who were never really uh, rebellious in any way. They had no real interest in, in the different divisions that went on in this early in the Silmarillion. They had no real part to play in all of that. The only part that they did play was when the Noldor were trying to get back to Middle-earth. They wanted the Tellery, Tellery ships because that's the easiest way to get back to Middle-earth, and the Tellery have the best ships. Well, the Tellery didn't want to give them their ships, and so some of the Noldor actually went so far as to kill Tellery and try to steal the ships, and somewhat successful at that. Uh, so there's kind of some hostility on that end, because the, eventually that comes out later, and other Tellerys, such as Thingol, find out this happened and don't really like the Noldor because of it. So... There's a that's kind of the main role they play in the Silmarillion. In the Lord of the Rings, the Sylvan elves like Thranduil and Legolas, all, all the forest elf kingdoms are basically Tellerin. Uh, even Galadriel and Celeborn's kingdom in Lothlorien is primarily Tellerin. She's really the only non-Tellerin elf in Lothlorien. The rest of them are all pretty much Tellerin. They all have the silver-slash-goldish hair characteristic of that race. So uh, that pretty much wraps up the Tellery. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of major characters from them except Legolas, uh, Thranduil, Celeborn, and 
Thingol, but he's really only in the Silmarillion. I mean, if you haven't read the Silmarillion, you're not really going to be familiar with him. The main ones that most of us would be familiar with are the Woodland Elves and the different Lord of the Rings or Hobbit stories. So that pretty much wraps up the Elves, so that'll do it for this video. Actually, before I finish up, I do need to return to the issue of Elrond. I mentioned earlier that his dark hair is more of a Noldorian characteristic, but in his particular case, it's probably actually more due to his human ancestry than his elvish ancestry. He's actually got ancestry from all three branches of elves. So, of course, he's descended from Baron and Luthien, which means he's descended from King Thingol, who is a Teleran elf. Luthien's mother, of course, was Melian the Maya, who's not an elf at all. She's one of the angelic beings in the universe. So he's got ancestry from the Teleran elves, from the Maiar, is, of course, Baron was a man of the House of Beor. I'll do a video on the Houses of the Edain eventually at some point, too. He's On the other side, though, he is descended from Tuor and Idril Celebrindal. Tuor, of course, being another man of a different house of men than, than uh, Baron. So he's got two different houses of men, maybe even three. I can't remember. There's some intermarriage in there, too. Uh, there's... But on Tuor's wife, Idril Celebrindal, was the princess of Gondolin. And she was the daughter of Turgon, who is descended through the line of not Feanor's side of the family, but the other side of the family where Feanor's father married a Vanyar elf. So Idril is a descendant of both Noldorin and Vanyar elves, and therefore you've got Noldorin, Vanyar, and Teleran elves all in Elrond's ancestry. And of course, Idril had golden hair, so as did Tuor, by the way, and so that side of the family is very much a golden-haired half of the family, but Baron and Luthien have dark hair. Luthien's, of course, comes from her mother, not from her father, because her father did not have dark hair. So the dark hair that you end up with in Elrond, Arwen, and uh, Elrohir and Eladon are very much either the human part of the ancestry or the Maiar part of the ancestry. So Elrond's got kind of a little bit of everything going in his ancestry. So I wanted to touch on that again before I closed out the video because I did mention him and I wanted to kind of explain that you can't really peg him in any one family of elves because he's literally got ancestry from all three. So that's Elrond, and that's why I couldn't really put him in one of the other three main sections. So I hope you learned something about the elves. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, please give it a like. Please also subscribe if you want to learn more about Tolkien and his worlds and all of his other writings. And you can also follow me at, on Twitter at JRRTLore. Until next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore channel. Namadier.